just to let you know, it's, uh, those of you, we've had a little bit of a change in our, in our schedule a little bit, in our, in our itinerary, so to speak. We, we, um, we didn't have a choir special, and we don't have a special right now. We had a special special uh, during the choir special, and uh, uh, that's because our pianist, uh, Hannah, was sick, and she's the one that's practiced on both of those specials with the people that were doing that. So uh, thank you for Brooke stepping in and playing for us. I sure appreciate that. Amen. Amen. All right, if you want to go Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, Ezra chapter 7, we're going to be looking for now. We're going to look at several uh, passages of Scripture this morning and, and, uh, and uh, talking about just this, this simple topic here and the question, I guess, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Uh, that's what, uh, this way, I, I was talking to my son-in-law about this a little bit, but you know, I just kind of, I walk, I pray, uh, I talk to the Lord, and a thought, a question will come into my mind. And uh, from there, that's the direction I go. I mean, it, and, and this is what came into my mind, are you prepared? And I think the Lord was asking me, am I prepared? And so I started thinking about, Lord, what do you really mean? And so uh, in Ezra chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, Ezra 7, verse 9, it says, For upon the first day of the first month, began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the Lord, to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray that you guide my mind, my thoughts, and Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee. Father, I pray that you be with those that are ill, as Hannah is ill today, I think with maybe strep throat. I pray again for, for Jessica as she is going to have the babies tomorrow. Lord, I pray for the, the many that are traveling and, and, and out of town. And, and Lord, I pray that you just keep your hand upon them as they, as they travel and bring them back to us safely. And then, Lord, I pray for those that are moving here. We have another family that's on their way here, moving here, um, uh, renting a house tomorrow, Lord, as a matter of fact. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with them as they load their things and they travel. Father, please be with us. Guide us. We need you. We, we need your presence. We need your power. We need your direction. And, Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you'd wrap your arms around this place as a hedge of protection to everyone in it, that your word might be spoken, it might be heard, and it might, uh, it might do exactly what you'd have it to do. We need you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says of Ezra, and just really the most important part of this verse 10, is for Ezra had prepared his heart. Ezra had prepared his heart. Uh, when, when I looked up that word prepare, it, it really is kind of more of a definition. It brings a lot of light on it. It, it means to fix his heart, to set his heart, to establish his heart. Uh, that kind of preparation, in a sense, is it says he prepared his heart by saying that I'm, I'm here. I'm staying. I'm not giving up. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, since God commands us to love the Lord with all thy heart and with all our soul and with all our mind, the first question comes simply is, is this, is this our desire? This is what God said to do, so 
when I, when I read this and when and God led me here to, oh my goodness, Lola. Wow. Cecil. My goodness, Cecil, you're so dressed up, I didn't even recognize you. Wow, y'all, Lola and Cecil are at church today, my goodness, and have they been through it for a long, long time. Wow, I'm so proud of y'all and uh, thrilled that you're here, amen. Ms. Lynn, how you doing? You're meeting with me, aren't you? You're here. God bless you, all right. Okay, now... Since God commands us to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind, then, as I said, the first question is, is this our desire? It's a command. It really is. He commands us to do it, but it, look, God doesn't force us to do anything. And so we've got a desire to do this. We have to desire this. And so the first question is, this, is this your desire? If we do not desire, just a statement, and I hate to be harsh here, but if, this, if we do not desire to fully and completely seek the Lord, then we're really not seeking Him. I mean, because He is God, and He says that, that we're supposed to seek Him, and that uh, we're to, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He didn't say some of it, all of it. You know, if we don't fully and completely seek the Lord, we're really not seeking Him. Seeking God is a complete commitment. You know, if you think about it, uh, you know, if you look at the map and you just kind of sort of follow the map, you're probably going to get lost. You know, I just, I was thinking, I told somebody the other day, they were riding with me and had the GPS, and that woman just kept telling us what to do. And I said, that's why they had it a woman on that thing, you know, because, you know, you're, because all the men are used to that, so, but, uh. But, you know, that thing, every once in a while, that GPS will tell you to, to turn off the interstate on an exit, come around, get back on the interstate, and come and turn off the interstate, and come, you know, it, get, it gets confused. But God doesn't ever get confused. The real GPS is God's positioning system. And so God doesn't get confused, and, and so God says, I want you to follow me, but if we just follow him partially, if we just seek him sort of, we're going to get lost. Now, if you sort of follow the instructions, anybody ever tried the instructions on Christmas Eve? Um, you sort of follow it. It's just quicker to do it without the instructions. Come on now. Come on, man. Be with me. You just forget those stupid instructions because I can make this happen. And how many times have you ended up with pieces left over? And how many times you got to the last step and had to take it all back apart? Yeah, because we didn't follow completely the instructions. And, and it's the most miserable time of the year. I, I'm telling you, Christmas can, can, can create a lot of bitterness. And so, uh, now, it begins with preparation. Now, the preparation, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Lord. This, uh, this, so here's the, th the first point. Is your heart prepared to seek the Lord? So today's message is going to be very, very simple. Uh, that's all I can do. But uh, it's going to be simple, but I believe it's very important. Very important message. Have you prepared or set your heart on seeking the Lord? To prepare your heart is to determine that it's a done deal that you're going to seek it. Do you understand? That's what God's really saying. He's saying, if you really are preparing your heart to seek me, he said, he said that what you're saying is, there's no turning back. I'm going to seek God. 
November the 8th, 1975, when I got saved uh, at Memphis State University there in my dorm room. Listen, I didn't understand totally, but, but something inside of me began to burn even all the way back then. And, and I didn't even find a church for three years, but something began to burn inside of me. And, and, and I began little bit by little bit. And, and look, I was seeking the Lord I may not have been seeking him like I should have been, but I I was seeking him the best I knew how to seek him. To prepare your your heart is to determine that it's a done deal. You'll never turn back. You'll always seek him. You will seek him to the completion. And and, and folks, if I could get this across to every Christian in in America, every Christian in the world, look, Christianity is not something you start. It's something you finish. And, and, and the finishing it doesn't get you to heaven. It's just, he's God. And if you're going to serve him, we just, it's absolute. I'm going to serve him. And you say, but I, I'm not going to preach like you do. I'm not going to, well, I hope you don't preach like I do. But the, uh, I'm not going to do those things. No, whatever you're doing, God ought to be the forefront of everything. So the first question is, have you prepared your heart to seek the Lord? The second question is, how do I prepare my heart? You know, for much, uh, a, a long time in, in my preaching, I, I was very, uh, you know, I, I was very intent on inspiring people to understand that you need to seek the Lord or the topic, whatever the topic was. My weakness was, is I didn't tell them how. I had a message, the first message I preached on bitterness. Made everybody realize that they were bitter. Everybody's, and you know what I found out? Everybody really is, you know. But everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been, you know, there's been something that's, that's been wounded them. And there's a lot of people that, that deal with bitterness. And so, man, altars would be filled with people who are like, oh, I know, I'm bitter. And it's like, what do I do now? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you know, my only answer is, okay, stop being bitter. Uh, you know, pray God helps you because I don't know what to do. But since then, I, I've started trying my best to say, okay, here's the problem let me find a biblical solution. And so that's what I'm going to try to present this morning. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9 says this, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Now, it's just a command. He's saying, know him. Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Now, I believe this passage gives us a little hint on how we can seek the Lord and how we can prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. So number, number one in this passage very simply is this, you got to know him. Look what he says. Is, he says, my son, know thou the God of thy father. The first thing is you got to know him. You know, folks, there's a whole world out there that's trying to get to God by by working their way to get to him, by by being good and by coming to church and by getting baptized and by doing all things. And they're trying to to get to know him. But, But listen, God says, come to me in simple faith and you will become my child. I'll become your father. And watch this. We can even become friends. You can get to know him. So when you know him, you got to know him. Number two in this passage is when you serve him with a perfect heart. 
And you say, you know, I can't seek to know the Lord or I prepare my heart. Do I know Him with a perfect heart? Well, that means a whole heart. God says you really need to want, desire. Your emotions should desire to know me. Don't raise your hand, but sometimes does it just burn inside of you? Do I want to know God better? I just, I want to know Him. And that's what, what God, I believe, is saying. He's saying when you serve him with, the, with your whole heart. And then he said number three is this, we see in the passage, when you serve him with a willing mind. Now, that willing mind is desiring, delighting in, having pleasure in, a mind that desires to serve him, delights in serving him, finds pleasure in serving him. This is the, where your mind says, you know what, I, need, I want to serve God, I want to, to follow God, I want to be what God is, and in my heart I burn to know him better so that I can serve him better. Does that make sense to you? So first, we need, we, we're to seek the Lord with all our heart, with our whole heart. Secondly, in the passage that we read, it's talked about to, the, with all our heart, with all our soul and their mind. And so I think that, that what I'm trying to show is that if we're going to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord, then we've got to prepare our heart, we've got to prepare our soul, we've got to prepare our minds. And so secondly, is your soul prepared to seek the Lord? And now your soul, you say, well, what really does that mean? A lot of definitions on that. But for this, this context and the, what we're going to look at, I believe it's really talking about your appetites, your desire to please God in your body, in your physical desires. Are you desiring to please God in your body, in your physical desires? Let's, and um, the scripture says, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know, this, we, we talked about this passage before, but this is talking about craving, craving God. This is talking about, I'm so thirsty uh, because he's likened it to a dry and thirsty land where you've just been at that point where you just, you, your throat's dry, your mouth is dry. Anybody that's ever, ever been out on a football field and you've been out there in the heat of the, especially if you practice down here in the August uh, 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 preseason practices and you're out there playing. And if you were back in the day, they didn't give you water every 30 seconds. Back there, it was a point of character for you to just die. You know, they just, they didn't give you water. They didn't, you know, they, it was just like, you don't get it. No, hey man, I'm dying. No, 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 no. Be tough, man, be tough. And so at the end of practice, you'd finally make it inside. You'd run in with your equipment on and turn the shower on and just sit there. Because your mouth is so dry. You're just, you're, you're just about to die out here. And now today, you know, these little weak little guys, you know, they're just like, okay, another break. You know, I mean, they really do. It's just all the time. But, but the fact is, is that you crave that water. I've been growing up out as a, you know, on the farm out there, and again, it's heat. And you, sometimes you just get so dry and you sweat. I was hauling hay with my, my, my brother one day, and it was 104 degrees. And uh, we were out there hauling hay, and we didn't, you, know, you don't walk between bales. You run between bales. That, that's the way my daddy uh, understood things. And so... <laughs> We, we'd run between bales, and I'm running over there, and I'm grabbing those bales and slinging them up there as fast as I can, and, and sweat's pouring. And all of a sudden, I looked at my brother, and I said, 
I'm not even sweating. And that's the last thing I remember saying. Next thing I remember, he drug me to a pond and he's throwing water in my face because I just shut down. I'm, everything, you know, I hadn't been drinking anything and, and, and no water, no fluid coming in and I'd sweat it all out and I was just, I was just dry, about to have a heat stroke, I guess. And, and so, you know, but boy, at that point, you crave water. You crave to drink water. Well, God's saying, uh, uh, what do you crave? In the morning, the body craves a hot cup of coffee. You sinners. I don't. I quit drinking coffee three years ago. I'm so much better than you. I drink an energy drink. So uh, <laughs> my daughter always saying, that's going to kill you, Dad. <laughs> well, so is coffee. So I think, well, it might kill me, but it's got to wake me up to kill me. So now... In the evening, the body craves, if you like me, this is the way I relax, craves a bowl of ice cream. Hey, man, that's good now, now, every man ought to be able to have a bowl of ice cream just to relax, take it easy, sit back, all worries go away. My wife just walks by, did you get me any? No. <laughs> God, I get, this thing's got to last, you know. So, in the afternoon, the body craves a nap. Sunday afternoon, what you going to do? I know what you're going to do because you're all going to oversleep and not be back. So, the, your body craves. At noon, the body craves to eat. And I know that because at noon, you're going to be like, oh, come on, preacher. Now, we crave so much, but God says you're preparing to seek the Lord when you desire or crave him in the night rather than desiring to sleep or desiring pleasure. When you rise in the morning desiring or craving him rather than the success of the day. When you thirst for God night uh, and day as you would thirst for a glass of cool water on a hot and dry day. God says, here's how you seek me with all your soul. You crave for me. It's like something inside of you. You just feel hungry inside. You, you, something pulls you. Uh, years ago, when I started walking at night to pray, uh, it, there's something that, that pulls me. When, it's, when everything starts shutting down at night, there's something that just pulls me to go outside, to just be alone. And, and it may not be for very long sometimes, or it may be for a long time sometimes, but I'm just, there's something right. I can't go back to sit down or to lay down or to go sleep. Something inside of me says, I've got to go be with God. It's a craving. When you find yourself craving for his word and find yourself longing to talk to him or walk with him, you're on a journey of seeking him. You are preparing your heart to seek him. This is why fasting is, is so wonderful, why we did a corporate fast as a church in, in January. We'll probably do another one next January. And the reason it, fasting is so important, the more we really understand. Now, understand the first few days of, of a fast, you know, first two or three days of a fast, understand you, you don't crave God. You crave anything, you know, you, you're gnawing on your fingers. You know, I mean, you're, you're, it's pretty intense kind of craving when you're fasting. But there's a point, if you'll continue to fast, that you suddenly realize, 
I'm really not hungry. I'm not craving that sugar. I'm not craving that ice cream. I'm not craving that coffee. I'm not craving that. I've done this to get closer to God, and something's starting to happen as I crave to know Him better. Crave to be closer to Him. Finally, as we saw in the passage, is your mind prepared to seek the Lord? Is your heart prepared? Is your soul prepared? But is your mind prepared to seek the Lord? Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. But he says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We prepare our minds to seek the Lord by keeping our minds on God and his word and his promise. He stayed on thee. God desires our minds to be stayed on him. Now that stayed means to stick with the one who has established you. You know, God says, you need to be thinking about me. You know, too often we just got our thoughts on a lot of other things, like right now. The minds drift so quickly. The attention span has gone so quickly. And, and, and we, we need, though, to just, it is, it's an act of the will to say, no, I choose to think about God. I choose to think about the goodness of God. I choose to praise God. But I had to think about praising God in order to praise God. I, I think about worshiping God, but I got to think about God to, in order to worship God. God desires our minds to be, to be stuck on Him, to, to stick with the one who has established you. Getting and keeping our minds on God means we must at times turn off the things that take our minds away from God. Now, folks... I said this is incredibly simple, but this is just two or three points about how you can have your heart on God, how you can seek to prepare your heart. There's two or three points about how to prepare your soul to seek the Lord. Now there's two or three points about how to prepare our minds, and there's sometimes we just got to shut down some other stuff. There's sometimes you just got to turn it off. There's sometimes you got to get away from it. I, I lived... Ate and breathed sports my whole life. I played five sports my senior year in high school, so I was pretty consumed. I had three classes and three study halls. I was a very intense student. In those three study halls, I used to practice my sports. And I was, that's all I did. That's why I went to school. That's why my principal wanted me at school. He called me one day at noon, and I wasn't at school. And he said, you got to be here in 15 minutes. I said, Why? And he said, he said, because you can't pole vault in the track meet if you're not here in 15 minutes. Because you have to be there by 1230 or something. I don't know. Uh, in order to be counted present for the day. Listen, that's why I was there. I was consumed with it. But, but I, 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 I'm going to tell you, uh, my desire to spend time with God, as it increases, my desire to spend time with that stuff decreases. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I check scores all the time, and I always, you know, I try to catch a highlight here or there. I'll do that, but I'll be honest with you. And I don't care. You can sit down and watch every Alabama game you want to. When they play Tennessee and destroy them, go ahead and watch them. 
man with the orange tie with T's on it. That ain't going to help you tomorrow morning, I guarantee you. <laughs> now, the fact is, is that, that you know, I, there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm just telling you, though, the more your mind is prepared to seek the Lord, the more you think, okay, I watched five minutes of it, and that's cool. I'll see the end of it. I can watch some replays. I can do this. and I, I, Because I've got other things to think about. I'm consumed with something else. I'm craving something else. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says this, look not every man on, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, we always use that verse, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we think, well, what really is the mind of Christ? Well, he just said it. He said, let this mind be in you. What mind? Right here. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. God said the mind of Christ is about others. Mind of Christ is about a, a little church having, having a food bank for other people. The, the mind of Christ is about doing something. Mind of Christ is, is, is running buses to get, you know, we had 10 new kids today. I, matter of fact, you were visitors today and you didn't even raise your hand and tell me. You rode the bus today, didn't you? With Brother Jesse. Amen. And I told you you'd love me, didn't I? You're still not sure, are you? Well, at least you're awake. God bless you. Now, look, why? Because it's, it's not about us. It's about others. It's about what can I do for somebody else. That's what God sent his son to do, to die for others. He left us here to live for others. It's not about all the things we can do, we can have, and all the possessions and, and, our, and all the, 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 the shows we can watch and all the games we can go to. It's not about that. And I'm not opposed to it. I'm just telling you, the more you seek God, the more your mind wants to know him. And one of the ways we get our mind on him is by getting our mind on the needs of others. Because if you've done it under the least of these, you've done it under me. Now, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am, also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. God's saying, look, here's how I want you to think. Here's how I want you to get your mind on me. He describes it. My mind is preparing to seek the Lord when I forget those things which are past and I press toward the mark for God. It, the past. It's everything that I thought was important before. And God says, you know what? The more you get your mind on me, forget all those things because you're going a new direction today. You got your mind on something. You're pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, before, I wasn't doing that. Before, my, my whole, I used to preach to sailors, and I would I'd tell those old, old boys, those sailor boys, I'd say, fellas, you know, when I was in college, and I, and I was a walk-on in Memphis State, I, would, I, I, I decided anything they asked me to do, I could do. 
That means they told me to get, get bigger, I got bigger. I gained, I gained uh, uh, 30 pounds in three and a half weeks. 30 pounds in three and a half weeks. And, and look, I, I went four inches uh, in size in my chest. I went four inches in my waist. And, uh, and, but I increased my speed. They wanted my speed. So I gained 30 pounds and got faster. I got stronger. And I, if they wanted me to jump higher, I jump higher. I don't care what you ask of me, I could do it. And then there's one, one thing that hit me. When a couple of guys died in car accidents that I played ball with, I suddenly realized there's one thing I can't do. I can't keep from dying. No matter how hard I try, I can't keep from dying. Every breath I take, I'm a breath closer to death. I'll be honest with you, as a lost boy, that drove me crazy. It tore me up. But when I trusted Christ November the 8th, 1975, my dorm room through that Gideon's Bible, I got up and I began to put everything behind me and begin to forget those things. And can I tell you, even as the years have gone by and I've grown in the Lord, I ask the Lord to erase memories. There's stuff I don't want to remember. You know, I, I, I would joke and say, you know, I, I, I never dreamed God would bring me back here to Memphis to pastor, to work, or do anything else until everybody I knew in Memphis was dead. Because, man, you know, when those several of the folks came, you know, a week or two ago, uh, you know, kind of the reunion of, of families from that I went to grade school with and different ones. And when I was sitting out there. I, I, I'm amazed that they would even show up because they knew me. Why would you come here to hear me preach? Because you knew who I was. You knew what I did. You knew the way I acted. You knew the, you know, my whole thing when I was playing ball is, is they, that we might get beat and guys would come up to you and we beat you, man. And I'd say, hey, you might have beat the team, but you ain't beat me. You're about to find that out. <laughs> and that was just my philosophy. Now, I put that behind me. And I asked the Lord to race memories. Folks, let your failures go. You know, let me tell you, if you don't let them go and put them behind you, you will repeat them. Because here's what the devil will tell you. Oh, well, hey, no need in trying to do different because you've already messed up there. So you might as well just continue on. No, I forgot it. You say, can you do that? My God can do anything. Can God wipe those memories? I used to hear people preach, ah, oh, it's putting your mind, it's like a computer. It's always there. You can never get rid of it. So you better be careful what you put in it. Well, you better be careful what you put in it. But I'm going to tell you this. If once you've messed up, if you get to God, you fess up, he can clean you up. He can clean your mind up. My mind is preparing to seek the Lord. When I forget those things which are past and, and, and the past is gone, I'm pressing on. And I'm almost done. Yes, because you're getting hungry. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, 
forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We are preparing to seek the Lord in our minds when we put on holiness, mercy, kindness, humility of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forgiving one another. Folks, we don't have the mind of Christ if there's anybody that we have not forgiven. And if we're refusing to forgive, we're not seeking to have the mind of Christ. How y'all doing? Jesus forgave us. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad that that who I was, and look, I'm not perfect right now, although I know it appears, but do you? No, that was a joke, folks. So I, I'm not perfect, but, but man, I, it's like that, you know, I, I'm not what I, what I was. I'm not what I'm going to be. But I'm not what I was. So the, the fact is, is that I'm not what I was, and, and, and that's gone, and I'm more and more put it into, into the past. And God says, what you need to do is forgive others in the past, no matter what's happened to you, forgive. Watch this, forgive, crazy statement, forgive yourself. Because we beat ourselves up way too much. And I'm one here to testify. One of the, the things that my wife used to tell me for, for years as a, as a young Christian, a young preacher, she would say, Rob, you're your own worst enemy. Because I'd beat myself up. Every time I fail, it's just like, when am I ever going to get over this? When am I ever going to master this? When am I ever going to stop doing that? You ever do that, Randy? Yeah, that's what I figured. That's why I called you out there. <laughs> no, I just, it, it really do. You just... God said, if you're going to have my mind, forgive. Forgive. Now, each of us should be preparing our hearts, our souls, our minds to seek the Lord. Now, I know some of you right now, we've got a couple minutes here. I know some of you are right now thinking, wow, from what you're saying, it's every moment of every day I should have my mind on God. Now, I'm going to let me just tell you, I'm a realist. It won't be, but it should be. Our goal, it won't happen, but our, our desire ought to be that every moment our mind was on God, our heart was on God, our soul desired and craved God. You say, well, if I can never, it can never be every moment, why should I try? Because you'll get closer than you, why do you, okay, fellas, who played ball? Raise your hand. Do you win every game? No. So why do you try? Because you're sure not going to win unless you do. And watch this. If I really put my effort into it and I give it everything I got, I'll win more than I lose. Now, you may think it's pretty consuming, and yes, but I, I just say, man, Either God consumes us or the world will consume us. You can't love God and mammon. You have to ask yourself, how much is too much to give God? 
And can God ask too much? He gave us life. He's beaten beyond recognition. He shed his blood and died that we might have eternal life. He asked of us that we love him and seek him with all our hearts, our souls, and our minds. He asked us to live wholly, completely for him. How can that be too much? This illustration, and, and I'm done. And really, it's just it's very short. But just a week or so ago, before my dad went to heaven, a week or so before he went to heaven, he finally got the strength enough to come down the stairs and sit on the back porch. I told him I wanted to get a chairlift for the stairs and so that he didn't have to try to struggle back up the stairs anymore. He said he didn't want me to for, here was his words, he said, I don't want you to do that. I've already been too much of a burden to you. I looked at him while we sat on our porch, and I told him, I said, you know, someone taught me that caring for those you love was the most important thing. I told him a man taught me to love, to pay my debts, and that things were not more important than people. My dad sat on that porch and began to cry. My father had lived every day of my life for me, my brothers, and our families, and my mama. Would it not seem reasonable for me to give anything and everything I could to him? Well, my heavenly father gave everything for me. And he sent his son to die for me. Jesus suffered and died because of his love for me. Wouldn't it only be reasonable that I'd love him and live for him with my heart, my soul, and my mind? He's the reason that I'm, I'm alive today. He's the reason I'm on my way to heaven today. He's the reason that I've been married to this beautiful woman for 39 years. You say, is he really the reason? Yeah, he is. I'm telling you, we would not be married now if he hadn't come into our lives. He's the reason that I have these six daughters. And 23 or 24 or 72 grandchildren. I'm not sure. So are you prepared to love him and live for him? I'm going to repeat these simple things and just get number one, the most important thing is do you know him? Do you know 100% sure that if you died, you go to heaven? If you don't know that, then you don't know him. If you don't know that, you've never received him and his gift of eternal life. If you have received the gift of eternal life and you know him, are you seeking to serve him with a perfect heart, a whole heart? Or are you seeking to serve, serve him with a willing mind? Do you, deserve, do you desire him in the night? Do you rise in the morning desiring him? Do you thirst for God all during the day and the night? Are you preparing your mind to seek the Lord by keeping your mind on the things of God? Is your mind stayed on him, and are you seeking to have the mind of Christ? 
God says, seek the Lord and he shall be found. So, he's there. His word is true. Do you know him is where we begin. Are you desiring to seek him? Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus. Thank you for